You're listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I'm your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 190. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Troy Lambert, who is a freelance writer, author, editor, and publisher living in Boise, Idaho. He's written over 25 novels, including the Max Shane Mysteries. Had a great time talking to uh, Troy about his novels and his writing process. Uh, Troy is an outline and uh, plotting expert. Uh, he's also the education lead over at Plotter, which is the uh, software that I use to outline my novels. Uh, so this is a good segue to tell you about this uh, episode's sponsor, which is Masterclass. And in particular, I want to let you know about the James Patterson Masterclass. You can check it out at thrillingweeds.com forward slash Patterson. And it's an amazing masterclass. Um, the uh, folks over there at Masterclass are top of the game when it comes to creating fantastic uh, masterclasses with experts in many fields like uh, acting, cooking, even basketball, and of course, uh, writing. And so if you want to see how I incorporated what I learned from the uh, James Patterson uh, Masterclass uh, in my own uh, writing process and how I create my outlines, uh, you can check that out at thrillingreads.com forward slash my James outline. And so you can see it. It's a video. I'll walk you through the, my entire process uh, showing you how, uh, how, how I outline the uh, James Patterson way for my thrillers. And speaking of thrillers, today, September 6th, is the pub day of my second thriller, The Past Never Dies. It's in my Elijah Shaw uh, thriller series. Uh, really excited about this uh, novel. The first one, Gringo Gulch, uh, came out in uh, July. Uh, this is the second one. The third one will be coming out um, in October. Uh, you can check it out at uh, thrillingreads.com forward slash pass. Uh, there you'll have uh, you'll be able to read the first three chapters for free and uh, learn more about the book. That's uh, thrillingreads.com forward slash pass. All right. Thank you so much for your support. Really do appreciate it. And uh, here is my interview with uh, Troy Lambert. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Troy. Well, thanks. Good to be here. Yeah, you know, we we're talking a little bit offline before I started recording. You wear a lot of hats in the uh, writing publishing community. Can you tell us a little bit about your background before you got to that? Oh my goodness! Well, so before before I started writing full time, I, I tell people I had a series of uh, careers and hairnets and name tags, um, <laughs> basically because from a very young age I wanted to be a writer, but. All those people that know, school counselors, all those people all told me it was impossible, that it was just an impossible dream. And so I believed them. And I went off and tried to live my life some other way. And that did not work for me, um, clearly. And it just never did. So when I came to the writing world, the, the first thing I did was I started writing full time. I needed to make some extra money. And so I had a friend of mine who started a publisher. And he's like, do you want to work as an editor? Well, I had done editing before in a journalism, more journalism capacity. And so I said, sure, I'll I'll jump in and, and learn this from the book end of things. I need to learn about it anyway. From there, I guess when I first started indie publishing, everybody, there was no roadmap then. There, it, now there's kind of several roadmaps. You can choose which one you follow. Then there was no roadmap. Nobody knew. We, none of us knew what we were doing. And um, so I... As I've evolved as a writer, my thought has always been that I want to help other writers avoid the many mistakes that I made when I started out. And that's really where all these hats start to come from is that um, somebody will say, can you help with this? And I'll be like, yes, yes, I can, because it's something that's important to me. And it, it's kind of um, it's a passion of mine is helping other writers. So that's, that's kind of where it comes from. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... 
for our listeners, uh, I met Troy in in the real world. He at a conference last uh, year in Las Vegas, and with your t- the nature that you have in you, you you volunteered to do the uh, the meetup for the thriller authors, <laughs> which ended up being kind of a lot more work than you thought it was going to be, right? <laughs> yes, it did. I mean, it it, ended up, it went from a small group of authors to a very large group of authors in a very large venue. Because I thought. When I first took it over, there were only 30, 40 people. And I thought, how hard can it be to find a venue for 30 or 40 people in Las Vegas on a Wednesday night? It turns out that's harder <laughs> than you would think, oddly enough. And um, But what, what I loved about that was that everyone wanted to come. There was just a certain amount of the, the whole idea of camaraderie and spending time together um, in a place. And it, it was, just, it turned out to be just an absolutely wonderful event. I, I mean, I was exhausted when it was over, <laughs> but it was absolutely fantastic because there was so much of people meeting other people, some of them meeting people who they really admired their heroes, others just meeting with peers. It was great. It was fantastic. Yeah. That's really something good now, especially now that things are opening up more, um, after a couple of years of lockdowns is the, is if you're being able to meet other people, I mean, it really, it, you know, and I, I'm an introvert, you know, like most writers, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big extrovert type of person, but um, it's, it's just nice to meet people face to face. And like you said, there was some, some pretty big hitters at your, at your meetup too. It was like, whoa, wow. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I often, I think when we, when we talk about writers being introverts, I think we're kind of a mix. Most of us are kind of a mix. Um, and a friend of mine describes it as like, there are people that are social field mice. They need to eat every, you know, 30 minutes or so or they'll just shrivel away and die. And many writers are more like pythons. We're social pythons. We eat one big heap of social at a conference or something like that, and we're good for six months. Yeah. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. <laughs> it works that way. Yeah, yeah. You know? And then like, okay, now I'm starting to get hungry again. You know, start looking at the yeah. clock. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's like I was saying too, now you've done it. So you've done a lot of things. You've done ghostwriting and everything. Um, and, I, and I think that's important to talk about because like, um, for aspiring writers um, of other ways that are out there to supplement your income while you're, you're, you're getting your books out there. Um, how did that, how, how do you recommend that for people who might be thinking of, of doing that, of maybe supplementing their income by editing, for example? Well, I, I would say this, there are a surprising number of authors that have a, you know, a side hustle that's usually writing related that's kind of how they supplement their book income. And sometimes they keep doing it even after their books are making money because it's fun and we'd like it. And so I would say, yeah, if you're going to have a side hustle when you're when you're bringing your books up and your books are finally making it and stuff like that, have it be something that's publishing and writing related because you're going to learn lessons in those areas and those those jobs that you wouldn't learn somewhere else um in editing i learned a lot like i had an editor over me when i first started obviously because i didn't know what i was doing um except more from a journalistic standpoint and fiction is very very different and the things that i learned from that person helped me not only in my in my own writing but in helping other writers along the way and there's a certain amount of satisfaction that comes from that and then there's a certain amount, when it comes to ghostwriting and things like that, there's a certain amount of what I tell people what I really am as a storyteller. Author, editor, book coach, all, you know, ghostwriter, all those different things. All I'm doing is either I'm either telling my own story 
or I'm helping other people tell their stories. But in the end, all of it is really storytelling, right? And for me, that's where the passion really lies is in that storytelling. So if I'm going to do a side hustle, you know, with a few exceptions that I've had along the way, it's usually something that's publishing and writing related. Yeah, that's a great, great, great way of looking at it, and a great idea to be kind of keep your pulse in the industry too as you're as you're coming mm-hmm. up. Um, so you, you mentioned before you always wanted to be a writer. Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, starting out? Like, uh, who were your uh, authors that influenced you? What kind of books did you start writing? How did you get into the thriller mystery world? Oh well, it, that's, it's actually kind of interesting because when I was a kid, um, so I wrote my first book when I was six called George and the Giant Castle. It was a fantasy. Um, it was horrible and you're never going to see it because I illustrated it too myself. Um, and I didn't have funds for an illustrator at the time. Um, but, uh, um, when I was growing up, my biggest influences were sci-fi and fantasy for the most part. I mean, especially hard sci-fi, Arthur C. Clarke, Ben Bova, Isaac Asimov, you know, Robert A. Heinlein, um, all those guys, you know, that was my influence. And I read a lot of fantasy too. I read a lot of Terry Brooks and, you know, things like that. Um, but as I started writing my own stuff, I tried to write sci-fi and it, it just kind of didn't work for me. I, I don't know how else to put that. It just didn't work for me. But where I found was that every story I was writing was in some way a mystery or thriller. And if I tried to write sci-fi, it was a mystery thriller sci-fi. <laughs> I tried to write fantasy it was a mystery and thriller with dragons. You know, if I tried to write something else, it was, uh, um, I, I was actually, at one point I was a managing editor of an erotica series, a steamy romance series. And so I wrote one of the books in that series and it's a steamy romance mystery thriller. There's a detective, his wife, there's a dead body, the crime gets solved. So I'm like, I've just found this was my voice. This is where I came from. But, um, also, Stephen King and Dean Koontz and people like that were very much, that was, they were very much my happy place as far as the reading, as far as reading goes. So, and still is to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's funny. So no matter what you, no matter what genre you're writing in, there was always like a little, like a thriller or mystery going on in the background. So yeah, so you're like, oh, I might as well just go to, yeah. get into it. <laughs> might as well just do it. I, I found that was my author voice. And I'm like, I tried to not do that and it never worked so i'm like well i guess i might as well do what works you know I mean, if, if i'm going to make a career out of this thing i might as well figure it out yeah. so and can you tell us a little bit then about your 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 latest novel uh what do you uh, is that the mac voucher series that you're working on or yes so my latest one is is was the second in um and it's the max boucher series um boucher is basically french for butcher um <laughs> oh, i like it but he's the detective he's the good guy he's the good guy um <laughs> at least for now um but my latest one was one of my favorites and it's called teaching moments and i wanted to do something unusual with a serial killer that was something that was out of the norm um and and i've done a lot of psychology research and stuff about serial killers i've i've um there's, there's a book called The Mask of Sanity, which is the, um, the it's basically still the textbook that they use for the FBI Behavioral Sciences Unit that was written in like 1943, updated in the 60s. But still, when it comes to psychopaths and sociopaths, it's, it's the book. Um, super enjoy it. But so I wanted to do something that was a little bit out of the norm. And so Teaching Moments was the result. And it's um, 
a story where it tells Max's story, Max Boucher, um, and his basically he accepts a case to find a stolen horse. There's a murderer in the process. He thinks the two are related um, all in the way. And then there's a parallel story of a confession that we don't know who's making that confession. We actually don't know who they're talking to until the very end. And those two things tie together at the end of the book. And it's one of my favorite books that I've um, that I've written, actually. And then the one I'm writing, I'm working on right now is the sequel to the, that one called Compelled. And it's another another serial killer I've wanted to write for a while. So uh, uh, this guy's been roaming around in my head. It's time for him to get out on the page and all that stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. wonderful. When you finally get when you if when you've had it in your head for so long to finally get it out, it's like so <laughs> satisfying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It I love is, it killers. Incredible. Yeah. yeah, and so um, and so I know uh, I I know that you're a master plotter. I know you do the plotting, and you actually uh um uh, the education lead right for uh, a great software that I for use plotter. called Plotter. Yeah. yeah. So can you tell us yeah, a little yeah. bit about about your process? How uh, before you start to write? How uh, what what your process is like? So usually, like if I'm starting a new series or something, it usually starts with character. Um, so even in my series, it, it starts with the characters. Like, wh- who is this character? So even in the Max Boucher series, usually I'm starting with whoever my killer is. Like, who's my killer? What are their methods? And what's the psychology behind it? And then I say, okay, so as a result of that, what happens? So I kind of say, this is the character. If I put them in this situation, what if? What if this happens? What if this happens? What's next? What's next? That type of thing. Um, and so usually that's the way it starts. And for me, usually that character is something that comes to me at some point along the way. And then when I plot, even though people think you know I'm a master plotter, I'm an architect, all that kind of stuff, and I can be, but for my own plots, most of the time that the the scene descriptions that I come up with for the plot along the way are actually pretty simple. They're really just writing prompts for what I'm going to write that day. So I try not to overplot so that it really impacts my creativity. But if I, I know that if I underplot, which is what I used to do, I used to underplot a lot, mm-hmm. then I would get stuck because I wouldn't know where I was going. So this process that I've developed over time it essentially enables me to write all the way through. And then when I'm in the rewrite, when I'm in the writing process, if I write something different th- that day than what I planned, I go back into Plotter in my outline and I change it so that I know when I go back to revise my book, I go, oh, that's where I took that left turn. That's why this is a little bit different. And I can go back and make sure it still works when I go through the revision process, it makes revising way, way faster, which is probably the most important thing for me is making that process faster. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's what I tell people also, if they're, uh, I mean, if, if uh, writing by the seat of their pants is working for somebody, then that's great. But if, but if not, people get afraid, they don't want to try plotting because they don't want to be, they think it's too rigid, but it's like, we're not machines. You know, if something, nope. you know, I, I'm the same way. I pl- I outline everything, but then I change, things change and characters do different things and, and you just go with it, you know, it's all part of the process. Yeah. You get to know your characters along the way is the way I feel. It's yeah. like at first you've got an introduction to them and you kind of know some things about them, but you can't know everything about them until you start writing about their life and the things that they do. And once you start that process and you go, oh, okay, that's that's a little bit different than what I thought, but mm-hmm. 
it still works. So it's okay. So you just make sure that the story continues to work. And so I actually, I mean, I, I do more stringent plotting in the revision process than I do in the initial plotting process, just to make sure that the draft is tight, that it works. There's no plot holes, no unresolved clues, all those different things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then the, when, once you have your, once you're ready to start writing, do you, uh, what do you use? You use like Word? Do you use Scrivener? I'm a Scrivener guy. Mm -hmm. um, I When I converted to Scrivener, before there was a plotter, when I converted to Scrivener, I found that my writing speed went up about eh, about a third, about 30% um, when I switched over to Scrivener. Um, it was just faster. It was, I, I felt like I was more organized. Um, and it allows me to concentrate. It's almost a psychological trick for me now. I'm, I, I do editing and like technical writing, blog writing and stuff like that in Word. And I only write fiction in Scrivener. So when I open the Scrivener, my brain goes, oh, we're fiction writing. You know, I've been doing it long enough. My brain realizes, oh, this is what we're doing. We don't do anything else in this program. So it's got to be fiction writing. So it helped my muse show up faster, basically. No, that's interesting. So you like, trained yourself. Scrivener, fiction. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And um, and so with all of these different things that you do, how do you, uh, what's like a day, like, is there a, no such thing as a typical writing day, I think, for most authors, but what's a day like for you? How do you get organize yourself? Um, so usually I try to, my best writing time is in the morning, is early in the morning. Um, and that's because I tell people my first novel, um, so I, I was in the military, so I learned to get up early anyway, because for some reason they didn't give us an option. Um, it's weird, right? The military makes you follow orders and stuff. It's strange. Um, but anyway, so, but I had little kids at home and I figured out that if I stayed up late to write, my kids would wonder, hey, dad, how come you get to stay up and I don't? But I've also found that little kids don't get up at 4.30 in the morning for things <laughs> they want to do, let alone things they don't want to. So my best time to write was 4.30 in the morning because my kids would not interrupt me. So I had a little office that was under our stairs at the time. It used to be a closet. I think it used to be a pantry or something, but um, I converted it into an office and I wrote under those stairs from 4.30 to 7.30. So still my best time to write is in the morning. I don't get up quite that early anymore. I don't have kids. I don't, you know, I have dogs instead, but so usually I get up around 5.30, 5.45 um, and I do some writing. Initially, I take a break and do some, you know, typical admin stuff like that. And usually hope that doesn't take me too long. Um, and then I get back to writing for as long as I can in the morning. And then usually some administrative tasks and things like that start to take over. And, you know, I kind of get to that point where I have to do those things. Um, and then in the afternoon, I try to schedule in another writing session if I can. And then, you know, usually it's marketing and, or other things that I'm doing various editing, coaching, um, and things along that line. Um, editing takes up a large part of my time as well. So, depending on what, what projects I have at hand. And when you're writing a project, do you like have goals for yourself that you said, like, I'm going to do X amount of words per day? Is that the, how do you gauge that? I usually, so I try to do between two and 4,000 words a day, depending on if I can squeeze in a second writing session. Um, but if I'm towards the end or something like that, I will schedule days where I'll do a sprint 
and I will cancel everything else except for writing and I'll do, you know, like a seven, 8,000 word day. Um, I've done 10,000 word days before. They are really, really hard. Um, <laughs> and I felt what I felt like was that towards the end of the day, the quality of my writing suffered. And so I had to, I, I don't do those as much anymore. Um, try not to put myself in a deadline position where I have to, yeah. you know, yeah, those are. Yeah, I've had a couple, uh, you know, eight thousand, nine thousand word days, and they really drain you. It's kind of weird because you wouldn't think about it. Yeah. Like neck, you know, like everything is just you kind of like this takes a lot of out of you. Know, those big writing days. <laughs> yeah, and then, well, then it's also hard to work the next day. Yeah, like part of the deal with writing is just consistency. Like a consistent, you know, the thing Nano does for people is it helps you develop a consistent writing habit. You know, whether that's daily, three times a week, whatever it is, you just need a regular, consistent writing schedule. And um, so I think that consistency is really important. Well, when you do a 10, 8, 10K day, the next day, you're not following your normal schedule because it's almost impossible to follow that up with just a normal day and act like everything's fine because your your brain is trash, your creativity is trash. So if you're trying to finish a book and kind of, you know, just put something to bed that's a fine method to you know sprint and finish something up but don't expect that to help you with your consistency you know yeah yeah and so uh so what are you uh, working on now oh so you're working on the uh, second book uh on the, on the... Uh, third book yeah the third in the in the max boucher series which is titled compelled um and i'm actually working on finishing up a ghostwriting project as well um that's that's going to be really really fun. It's actually more of a co-written project, and my name will actually be on the on the cover of the book. But um, oh. it's a true story of a haunting and demon possession of a house in England, and it's um, the house was actually on Help My House Is Haunted um, program yeah. on Discovery, and um, it's just been a really fun and fascinating story to work on. So I'm I'm almost done with that one. That one's almost put to bed. All right, so. great. Is that coming out this year too? Or? Yep, that'll come out this year as well. It's it's called um, Satan's Portal, The Demon House of Nuneaton, is what that one's titled. And that'll be out this year, too. And how, so. well, well, how do you like uh, working with uh, as a co-author? How did that work? Is that uh, Do you enjoy that, or is that what's a different challenge well, when doing solo? Um, I've, I've done co-authoring things before that worked well, and some of them didn't work well. This particular one worked really well because... I'm pr I'm actually primarily the author. It's the other person's story, but I'm the one that's putting it in story format. You know, they're not a writer per se. Um, so even though it's technically it's a joint project, most of the writing part of it is actually me. Um, so I'm good with that. Um, Co-writing is actually really fun if you get the right person and you're on the right project. It, it can be really fun. Um, but you need to that's a whole topic like in and of itself of making sure how compatible you are and that you've got the writing style and also the same idea of the writing speed and things like that. Otherwise you can cause yourself a lot of frustration. Yeah, so you can imagine. So Troy, I always ask uh, my guests about uh, uh, advice for aspiring writers that are listening to this podcast. Cause I know that I have a, a few out there uh, and you're great. Cause you got, you, you've done a lot of things. Uh, what's some advice that you would have for an aspiring uh, thriller mystery writer? Um, oh my goodness. What I, I guess my primary advice, um, for someone is to find the fun in what you do. Um, this job, if, if you choose to do this for a living, to write for a living, 
this job is really, really hard. There are easier ways to make money. Um, you know, you can buy an RV, learn some chemistry, you know, something, <laughs> buy some car washes, something your family can really get behind, right? Um, but so being a writer is really, really hard. So don't take the fun out of it. Um, so many times people, they, they start to write for a living and it becomes not fun to them. They've got, I've got all this marketing, all these business things I have to do and I'm writing to market. So maybe I'm writing something. I actually don't want to write that much or whatever. And I'm like, just don't do that. Be sure you keep the fun in your writing from the start to finish, no matter what you do with it. Um, because it's, it's just something that's way too hard not to have fun while you're doing it. Yeah, uh, that is good advice because yeah, easy, quick burnout if you're just doing it for you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you're if you're doing this to make money, like people will come to me and say, "I want to make a living writing," right? And I'll tell them, my first question is, "What do you mean by make a living? Mm -hmm. Like, how much money do you need to make a living?" And I'm like, that may sound like a personal question, but it's the truth. Is because if you're looking for a mansion in the suburbs, a Mercedes, a couple of Mercedes in the driveway, five kids, two and a half dogs, whatever. That may be a struggle for you, especially initially. So you need to revise what you mean by make a living. Like how much money do you actually need to make from your writing? And how plausible is that with your skill set, with what you want to do, with what your connections are, let's say in the traditional publishing industry, whatever. What does that look like for you? And you need to just be very realistic with yourself because this is, again, it's a very hard profession. So if you're going to do it as a living, you really need to evaluate what the right path for you is towards doing this for a living. Okay. All right. And where it's uh, for the listeners, uh, what's the best uh, way they, they can find you? I'm assuming it's at, it's at your website. Yep. And my website, TroyLambertWrites.com, um, on all the socials. And I always tell people, you can Google me. And if I don't come up when you Google me, your internet service is down. Uh, you need to contact your internet service <laughs> provider. Something is broken somewhere along the way. I'm kind of all over the place. Um, so if you Google me, you'll, you'll find all the socials and all the things. Um, I'm probably on Twitter and Facebook more than anything else, although I'm not on Facebook as much as I used to be. So um yeah it's right. kind of changing but yeah yeah and i recommend to go check out your uh your your, your videos on plotter uh, using plotter and plotting because they're really great they're really uh, i picked up some some nice nuggets uh from you on your on your videos <laughs> oh well thank you yes uh thursdays with troy on youtube yeah. we were very creative on with the name usually they came out <laughs> on thursdays and the host name was troy so we really thought of it long and hard about that and put that I was, together. I was wondering how you came um, up with that. <laughs> yeah, you know, one of those things really using my creativity. But um but yeah, there's all kinds of videos there and interviews with um other authors and about how they use um plotter and how they plot and it's super, super informative. All right. Awesome. Well thanks a lot, Troy. It was real nice talking to you about the writing and your books and all that good stuff. All right. Well thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Meet the Thriller Author. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with one of your favorite writers of mysteries and thrillers. Or if this episode's guest is new to you, I hope you give their books a chance. Helping listeners discover new authors and books is one of the coolest outcomes of doing this podcast. 
As always, you can head over to thrillerauthors.com to sign up to my Thrilling Reads email list. That way you won't miss out on any great deals in thriller and mystery books. You can also check out all the links and resources in the show notes for this episode over at thrillerauthors.com. And also please do subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so already and leave a rating and review wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, show. If you have done that already, I thank you. Uh, I really do appreciate your support. For my other links to my author website, social media haunts, and more, uh, check out thrillingreads.com forward slash links. All my links will be uh, on that uh, page. So that's it for this episode. Uh, See you next time and stay safe out there.